Welcome to another episode of the Local Podcast, a podcast about all things local, brought to you by the Wiregrass Local and Bar Media. Today's episode is brought to you by HotsDeli.com. Hot's Deli has got the best oven-toasted sandwiches and the healthiest options around for your lunch and dinner needs. Hit them up at HotsDeli.com and you can order online and skip the line. Sam's Pastry has been hooking the local up with sweet treats for the last couple years, and let me tell you, those things are delicious. If you can't appreciate some sweetness in your teethness, then uh, samspastryllc.com is not the place for you. You can find her cakes at Corks and Cattle in Enterprise or at Mr. Coffee Bean on Westgate here in Dothan. Hit her up at samspastryllc.com. Also, if you're in the market for some bright shoes, some skateboard stuff, or some cozy clothes, hit up reliefskatesupply.com. Those dudes have been doing some solid work down in Panama City for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And honestly, there's not another reputable shop around that I really trust as much as I do Relief. Hit them up, reliefskatesupply.com, and tell them the locals sent you, and maybe they'll yeah, give you a kiss it. on the forehead. Right. Yeah, that'll, that'll work. That's how you start a podcast sometimes. What's up, Cody? How you doing, Justin? Thanks for having me. Man, living the fast life. I heard... <laughs> trying to solve all these world problems um welcome to the local podcast thank you thunderdome arena <laughs> it's pretty much uh oh this thing's come loose oh i feel like donkey lips from the beginning of uh salute your shorts where he's like this thing came apart uh there we go um today in the studio i have cody kirkoff from the harbor uh and we're just talking about how to make Dothan better, we're going to talk about our homeless situation and how we can improve that for both the city and the quality of lives who are a little less um, fortunate or just in a, a weird spot in their life maybe right now, um, like what causes that situation and how we can fix it. Um, just really trying to get uh, some awareness out there about some of the problems that we have that uh, aren't really showcased. Because I think it's, I would, would you go out on a limb and say maybe Dothan's kind of embarrassed of this situation or what do you think? No, I, you know, I think Dothan literally is a city that, that does care. I've been in a lot of cities that as, as overall, I always say Dothan is probably the most caring and giving city I've been in. Um, I just think there are some, you know, when people are hurting I think everybody wants to make that situation better for people, but but sometimes there's things so big that how do we do it? What do we have to do? Yeah. And so it's it's not. I don't think there's an embarrassment. I just I just think there's and what do we got to do? And it's it's not an overnight fix. It's not oh, just sure. sweeping our floor and making it look better for for the day. Um, it's some stuff that's going to take years to to get established and and you know and so I just I just think it's. Sometimes, you know, we, we have to address some issues that, that, man, this is not an easy fix. This is going to take some time, some resources, a lot of planning, a lot of teamwork and collaboration. Mm-hmm. It just takes a while. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes, you know, if there isn't a direction for that or um, sometimes you just kind of put Band-Aids on things and try to survive. So, so I think it's just something that, that we need to really tackle mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, get, get our hands dirty doing it. But but it's time now. For sure. Um, especially with the weather being as crazy as it is. Like it kind of reminds you um how fortunate people are that aren't homeless. You know what I mean? Like there's a huge appreciation that 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, the weather's, you know, gotten a little cooler mm-hmm. um, for Southeast Alabama. And literally, if this is, if you're, if you're native here or you spend any amount of time here, I mean, when it, when it gets cold, it's cold and oh, it's, yeah. and it's a, it's a, a damp mm-hmm. cold. And so it, it chills you. Um, so and I think stays, people, and it stays and it with you all day, stays with you all day. Um, I think people, when it gets colder, really start to think, think about, man, there's other people that, that maybe are underserved that are struggling. Mm-hmm. This is, this is tough. I think you bring about the holiday season, hundred percent. you know, Thanksgiving time kind of kicks out off. And I think a lot of people then sit there and really think, man, you know, what can I be thankful for this year? But what about people that, that maybe don't have as much as I do? So I think a couple double whammy, you know, mm-hmm. with, with the, the change of weather, with the holidays coming in and maybe makes people a little bit more aware. Um, yeah, the holidays, I don't know if you're a big, uh, home alone two fan, but absolutely when you brought up holidays and homeless people, that was immediately what came to mind. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's very, because it's not a very out and in your face issue that we're facing. Um, I feel like there's a huge unawareness about what the, uh, magnitude of the homeless scenario is here in Dothan or, uh, there's just an unawareness about the whole situation. Yeah, you know, Dothan being a you know a little bit smaller city than than maybe other big cities that that we can go to in the area around here. You know, you 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 don't see a lot of people. You know, when, when you think homeless, a lot mm-hmm. of times you think of literally somebody standing with a sign, yep. maybe on an interchange or off an exit ramp mm-hmm. or an entrance ramp to an interstate or something, or or big cities seeing them downtown and yeah. stuff and and. We just, we don't see that as, as much in, in Dothan. Um, you can go to a lot of other cities, mm-hmm. um, been to a lot of cities that literally you just driving through a downtown and there's an underpass almost. and there's, you know, 19 tents, yeah. you know, right there in plain sight, you know, four blocks from town center. Um, don't quite have that like that here in Dothan, again, smaller city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think with that, um, a little bit out of sight, mm-hmm. out, out of mind at times, you know, and and uh, but there are homeless that, that live here, and and there's there's a lot of people just living in low income For that sure. that I always say are literally, man, one one moment away from from yeah. being homeless. Um, we we don't you know not only kind of try to calculate always what the homeless population is in the area, but we really look at what we call a near homeless. Mm-hmm. That's literally a lot of people that are that are perchance you know maybe maybe just a maybe you know a a lower income job, but like. The like a COVID goes or, away, or if they don't get X amount of hours or whatever, X amount of hours or, or they get sick yeah. for, with something and boom, that's, that happens. Like literally they become homeless or a lot of people that are kind of uh couch to couch mm-hmm. to couch to yeah. couch, you know, um, literally a lot of the, the lower priced motels mm-hmm. that are, that are in that downtown area, man, right now those things are, those things are near capacity. Yeah. Um, so you got a lot of people that literally go from, Maybe having their own place um, to a couch of a friend's mm-hmm. or a family to that motel, back to a couch, and then man, something really goes bad, and then they're in a tent in the woods for a little bit, for sure. and then maybe back to a couch, maybe back to a motel. You know, just a lot of survival in that. Mm-hmm. But we call a lot of that, you know, a, a near homeless population. To me, that's always been the larger concern. Um, I think anywhere you go, you're going to have homeless. Um, um, but that that near homeless and and in Dothan, Alabama, we just have a very, uh, you know, and I don't say this in, in a negative way, but it's just a we we have a large population per capita. I would say it's kind of disproportionate per capita 
of people living in low income, mm. low income housing, substandard housing, low rent, um, lower paying jobs, yeah. that kind of things. And, and a large portion of, you know, people that are just on like a, a social security disability, mm-hmm. you know, just, just surviving. Um, you know, it, it came out in, uh, in, and this is even before my time um, here, but it came out in, in a wall street journal in, in 2015, I think that, you know, for cities over that 50,000 population threshold, uh, Dothan was like the 12th poorest in America. Oh yeah. Um, and then I think That's in wild. 2019, an article came out, MSN, you know, uh, put, put something out that, uh, Dothan was the, the fastest growing poverty city in Alabama. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will think of Selma or they'll think, of you know, Birmingham cause it's a big city, Yeah, Montgomery's you know, whatever, got, yeah, Montgomery, well. you know, that kind of thing. But I always kind of look at it just the, the, the proportion, the per capita mm-hmm. and, and Dothan was 75, what? 80,000 people. And yeah. Is that what it is? 75, 80,000 people. And, and, and a large per, you know, percentage living at that low income threshold down to that poverty line. Um, and so naturally when you have that, you're going to have a larger homeless population yeah. per capita. That's basically people lined up at the gate for homelessness. Yeah, correct. Um, and a lot of that isn't because of anything they've done personally. Like I know there's a lot of stigma attached to being homeless. Um, and a lot of times this is not, where somebody has ruined their own life on purpose or maybe they got addicted to whatever. Uh, sometimes it's just a, a handful of unfortunate events back to back to back. Um, not to say that there's not addiction and other mental illness um, situations that play into that sometimes, but usually one happens first and then the other climbs on. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think, you know, Anybody grows up saying, I really hope my life sucks. Sure. You know, I, I, I don't think that that we sit there and say, man, I hope I just can spend a whole bunch of my adult years trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's just a lot of reasons. You know, if I had a nickel for every time somebody said, man, why don't they just get a job? Yeah. Um, you know, I hear, hear that hire all the time. Up, whoever says yeah, that. For, just yeah, hire them up. Put them in the yard. You know, I, I, I sit there and I, I think back, you know, there's so many, so many things, you know, when... When somebody, you know, says, why don't they just get a job? I said, you know, that's, that's incredible. Uh, first of all, um, can you help them obtain uh, their social security card? Mm-hmm. Um, can you help them on t- obtain their birth certificate? Driver's license. Can you help them then either get a state ID mm-hmm. or a driver's license? You know, without those things, you're not really you're getting sustainable in uh, income. Um, the, you know, the vast majority of the people that, that we meet that are homeless and many, many, many that are in that near homeless population are not having those IDs that they need. It's it's a big block. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was lucky enough that I had had parents that that literally put my put put my social security card away and stored oh, that yeah, for me. In a plastic bag somewhere. Yeah, you know, and and when I went off to college, they're like, okay, don't lose this. Yeah. This is important. And and you know, had that and and a lot of times in, in a kind of a transient nature where maybe in the low income people are, uh, maybe they grew up this way, literally like they're in one house for four months and one house for yeah. six months and bouncing around from family to family, man, stuff gets lost. How many times, you know, you think you move and you're like, man, I know I had that, but yeah. where the heck is that now? I lost a box of pillows moving like, from Montgomery it, to Dothan. Once. Yeah. You know, and, and so, so that happens. So, so not everybody just is, has that opportunity that like, Hey, here's your little packet with all your info in oh, it. Yeah. Um, 
And so when people say, man, just get a job. Well, first of all, we have to, to help uh, acquire to, to, to be able to get those, those IDs. And, you know, we run into things, issues all the time with, with like, man, somebody, you know, wants to get their social security card, but they don't have a photo ID. So man, then we want to get their photo ID, but then they need another form of identification to get that form of ID, you know, or, you know, even if, if you're from out of state and you end up here, you know, you need a couple proofs of residence. Mm -hmm. What if you don't have a residence, you know, I know at the Harbor, we let people use that address, that physical address and stuff. So always there's the issue of literally I I need to get an ID. Mm -hmm. So we, I mean, 2019, I mean, we did literally thousands and thousands of dollars worth of IDs to help people begin, begin those steps. Um, but then it's, it's also like, well, man, okay, they got their ID now just get there. Um, you know, who's driving them. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, a couple stories. I remember one guy, there was this, this guy that we were really helping super cool guy, gentle guy had been in and out of homelessness. Um, and, and, you know, wanted to make a difference in his life and, you know, got him his ID, got him, got him a good, helped him acquire a good job. This guy was, was talented mm-hmm. in, in what he did. He did some kind of fabrication and, and, and stuff. And so this was not just maybe a, a you know, working a, a very low income job. Yeah. He ended up getting a job for like 16, 17 bucks an hour, you know, which is a, a good step to, to, to get you out. He's very gifted. Um, and, and had, was working a couple, couple weeks, but literally he was driving his bike mm-hmm. like, like four miles a day, four miles one way yeah. a day. Um, regardless of the weather. Regardless of the weather. And that was in the summertime. It's yeah. hot here in Southeast it's Alabama. Brutal. Um, so he's, he's driving his bike and, and uh, literally had all kinds of problems like tires going flat. And, you know, and at the Harbor, we have a bike program, you know, they can volunteer X amount of hours and we get him a bike mm-hmm. because we realize the transportation key is, is huge. But he's, he's driving his bike, uh, finally get a, a call one time you know, one day from his employer saying, man, have, have you seen him? I was like, why? He's not at work. What's going on? I'm getting worried. Sure. You know, he's making some great st- strides. At that point, he had gotten out of homelessness and was living in that near homelessness of, of a motel. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, um, man, I, I went to go find him and I found him, you know, with a, with a six pack of beer. And, and I was like, dude, what, what are you doing? And, and he's like, Cody, I'm, I'm exhausted. I said, I get it. You know, not only is he working all day, but he's, he's riding his bike. Mm-hmm. He said, I can't keep riding my bike. I, I'm exhausted, man. And, and I said, dude, here, here's the deal. Um, and I happened to have some McDonald's gift cards mm-hmm. that day. I said, dude, I'll give you a $5 gift card for the six pack of beer. Let's switch mm-hmm. it and we'll help you get to work today. Sure. Um, he said, no, I said, I'll give you 10. No, I offered him all the way up to 50. Um, and he's just like, no, man, I'm just, I'm done. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was really sad because it was kind of that moment that you could see it in his eyes that he just realized no matter how hard he tried, the fork was in him. He was, he yeah, was, it was done. An uphill battle. It was an uphill battle. And, and, uh, you know, I always still stayed in, in, in good contact, you know, with him. He, uh, you know, he, he, he battled some things, battled some addiction. Um, but man, he tried it. And when he did work, I mean, he was a good worker, but he ended up living the rest of his days out homeless here in the city and, Passed away a couple of years ago, which oh, was man, really, really, really tough. But, um, and part of that, you know, dying young, part of that was a lifestyle and part of that was just tough. But, you know, I was saw from that, like the, the transportation part, you know, when people say just get a Absolutely. job. So here's a dude that we helped get IDs. Here's a dude got a job, but literally, everything. you know, without, without a mass transit, 
you know, without mass transit, what you just said, you know, we, we have a curbside and I, I don't know, you know, on call mm-hmm. type, type, type transit here. And, you know, we, we've tried a lot of creative things, you know, with, with that, but, but, you know, without a, without a mass transit and it is what it is, Dothan, Alabama doesn't have mass transit. Sure. And so, so without mass transit, um, I mean, it's, how do you get, how, how do you, how, how do you get there? Yeah. You know, and we've, we've done a lot with, with trying to help with transportation to people, but you know, with, without a whole bunch of staff and a whole bunch, you know, it, it gets hard to do that, you know, and I get it. Maybe not all employers can have their, their own transportation sure. system to get people. So it's when I, when I saw that, you know, when people always say, man, just get a job, I would say, man, help them, help them get their ID, help them, uh, um, get to work and well, back. you got to help them get to interviews. You got to help them do a lot. It's not just like, here's a job, yeah. go nuts. And if you're living homeless, it's, it's, you mean, get the shower, get the clothes, yeah. get, get to the interview, get there on time. A lot, lot of obstacles. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, in a perfect world, we'd say, man, yeah, if I just got a job, you know, then we always say too, it's like, okay, I, I have nothing in my bank account. So I got a job. Um, but, but literally, you know, you need a, a deposit. Mm-hmm. You, you need uh, the first month rent. You need so, credentials. You need some credentials of, of maybe some some rental mm-hmm. history. Um, well, then, you know, not only that, like you don't have credit or any established credit or maybe bad credit mm-hmm. um, when they run that social. You know, you can have upwards of a $500 deposit uh, through through utilities. Yes, yeah, just, yeah. You know, so literally just to get lights on, um, you know, so you think about, man, I got to have a $500 deposit to move on. I got to have my first one's rent of $500 and that's cheap. And that's yeah. very, very substandard. That's living. one of the things that Dothan is great at is low property tax and low, like you don't have to come out of pocket a whole bunch to find somewhere comfortable to live. No, you know, that's, you know, I always say Dothan is, you know, with, with the low property tax, Dothan is, is, is pretty, you know, pretty reasonable in, in, in the rentals. The, the mm-hmm. struggle is, is, you know, there's just a lot of rentals that are, that are substandard housing, yeah. you know, that, but aren't charging as though they're substandard are, are not charging as, as though they're substandard, you know, don't, don't have a lot of, uh, options for, you know, there are apartment complexes, but not like in other cities yeah. where there's just loaded with mm-hmm. apartment complexes. Um, you know, if anybody's moving to the city, and they said, hey, I want to rent for a year. Say you relocate for a job. Sure. If you ever look at the rental market, the rental market is not like other cities. Well, it's, it's split. It's it's very, you know, you know, for for maybe a professional wanting mm-hmm. to rent, there's not a lot of rentals out there. Yeah. And so that kind of we call it a smush that that people either have to pay too much mm-hmm. over over that market value, or they have maybe they can't afford that. So then they they go down to maybe a lower income housing, which then pushes that price even farther down and farther down. So what happens is a lot of people on that low income are still struggling yeah. to make that that rent. So or having to have multiple roommates, which correct. creates other situations, you know. You find that a lot people wanting to rent a room. Mm-hmm. Um and and not only that, like I said, the you know the, the deposit, the first month rent and then that utility deposit, it's why a lot of people yeah, it can be a thousand bucks. Easy. You know, we we kind of we kind of usually say you know, to, to get moved into a, to a place that's sustainable, you're probably going to have $1,400 that yeah. you're going to need in your pocket at that moment. Well, man, that takes a while. 
to yeah. save if you're, especially if you're making minimum and it's wage. it's real deflating when that's the majority of what you have in the account. So you're going to be proud of yourself looking at these numbers that aren't necessarily going to yeah. be realistic after everything washes out. After everything washes out, you get into a place and... You get real bummed after you write a big check and... Yeah. And it's majority, gone. Yeah. And, and uh, um, that's why a lot of people opt to try to go to, to a, a lower rent mm -hmm. motel. Yeah. Because, you know, there's no utility deposit. Mm -hmm. um, it's a quick fix. Again, I, I said a Band-Aid. It's a quick fix. Pay X amount for a weekly mm -hmm. rate. Um, and, and you know, hey, you got your utilities covered. Didn't have to put a deposit down. Yes, in the end, is it more expensive to pay weekly at, 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 a, at a motel than it is if you could just rent your own yeah. place? Absolutely. But coming out of pocket, who has that fourteen hundred bucks? You know, even yeah, one even, time. Even somebody who who makes a find a job making ten bucks an hour, and you know they're taking home you know what three hundred sixty bucks after taxes. Mm -hmm. Man, you you got you got to work a month for a month work, and a half, yeah. uh, without spending anything, mm -hmm. just to save enough. It's hard. Yeah, and when you've been in the homeless situation for so long, it's a lot easier to just be like, you know what, it's just going to be another day of doing what I did yesterday. Doing what I did yesterday, just uh. The Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's so, like, not having, for one, not having uh, any kind of self-purpose is not great for the mental stability. It's detrimental, of, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not encouraging. You're not really, you don't think, your self-worth is in the garbage. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it can be crippling to the point where it's like, you know what, this is just what I deserve, or... This is just going to be me forever, and they lean into it. Well, you know, I, I think every person listening has probably dealt with some sort of depression mm -hmm. for a moment in their sure. life. I think shame is something very real oh, in yeah. all of our lives, man, that that guilt and that shame and that struggle that I'm worthless, that I messed up, that mm -hmm. I, I can't overcome. Um, man, and, and when you've been in that long enough, it's, it's, it is easy to, to get, give up. Yeah. Those rocks um, get real deep. They do. And you know, people will say, okay, you just, you, you just talked about, you know, why it's tough just to get a job and get out of homelessness, but people have to ask, well, why'd they end up there? People sure. ask all the time why they ended up there. And, and, and literally 0% is saying, because I wanted to do this. Because I wanted to do that. Um, the number one reason people end up in ho homelessness, you know, people will always say, man, it's, it's gotta be addiction or drugs or bad choices mm -hmm. or, not you know, all those things, man. And, and I do think, you know, the combination of a couple bad choices and a couple, uh, you know, bad luck things. I think we've all had those. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it can really jeopardize what our life was, our sustainability. But the number one reason for homelessness is what they call the catastrophic loss of family. Mm -hmm. So at some point in their lives, uh, something got messed up. Um, whether whether they had a rough growing up mm -hmm. and family was displaced, yeah, you're the um, black sheep, or either you were the black sheep, or man, maybe maybe it was just rough growing up, yeah. and you had to split time between grandma and aunt and mm -hmm. and someone else. Um, uh, maybe a maybe catastrophic family member died. Mm -hmm. um, maybe maybe something happened terrible in a relationship or whatever. But the whatever the safety net was of that family, you know, I think. Lots of times we try to think maybe there's a safety net with family, like no matter how bad it gets, yeah. always got that. Somehow along the way, that safety net, because of the catastrophic loss of family, um, got messed up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and 
like I said, that could be a couple choices that, that we made could be, you know, bad choices could be a couple bad catastrophic things out of our control, but man, family got messed up somehow. Yeah. And so there was no one to, to fall back fully on or nobody to be able to ask for help or nobody, ask for yeah. help, be reliable, help mm-hmm. them for a moment to, to protect them from going on the streets to be sustainable. And so what happens and, and man, when life gets messed up, people do we're creatures of habit we turn to to what what can help us for the moment yeah what ease you know ease the frustration or the pain so so a lot of those you know when we see a lot of the 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 addiction that people have whether drugs or alcohol or both yeah um a lot of that those roots are in that catastrophic loss of that family like that's what i was saying earlier about addiction may have developed after the homelessness developed correct or it developed because in the process yeah of of when 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 it was developing um uh mental health you know you you talk about you know the depression mm-hmm. or that shame um man mental health just takes a toll on us you know the the depression the anxiety um you know that then leads to further that can lead to further addiction that mm-hmm. leads to further uh lack you, of motivation yeah further dude uh exponentially just compounds on itself after a while. Well, and not, not even talking. I know there's, you know, you know, things, you know, struggling with bipolar or schizophrenia or, mm-hmm. or, you know, all, all those things, you know, battling it. Um, but, but whatever the, the mental health is, man, when, when you're living in, in that low income, uh, living in that homelessness, living in a, in a situation with that catastrophic loss of family, nobody to fall back mm-hmm. on. Man, how do you pay your co-pays to, to stay on the medication yeah. that can maybe help you out? So there's just a lot of people that then end up self-medicating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that goes across the board. Doesn't doesn't really matter socioeconomic. Sure. Um, but just just a lot that, that that goes into it. That man, hey, found myself in this place, and really, I'm worthless, and I don't, I don't have anything to offer, and everybody yes. looks down upon me. The typical stereotypes that everybody's sitting there saying wow, why don't you just get a job and you're probably addicted to something. Mm-hmm. And so we, we end up with kind of where we're at. Yeah. That's, that's really just a re- kind of a shame because what you end up with is a big homeless population. And it's not really just, it's not really just a homeless problem, but it's actually a problem for the entire city. When we have such a homeless influctuation, especially downtown and around the surrounding areas, it's kind of a failure of our duty to help our neighbors, if you know what I mean. There's a, there's just a lot of uh, disconnect between uh, day-to-day people and what homeless people go through as far as just awareness of what that lifestyle entails. And until people start having those conversations, it's just going to be harder and harder to convince anybody that this is a real problem um, that needs to be spearheaded and people need to be helped out. You know, it's, you know, it's, it is, it is a giant, you know, issue, you know, when you, when you do have a large population in that low income, that fixed income, that, that poverty line and, and under, um, you know, I, I just think there needs to be some, some very collaborative, you know, I really believe in, in working together that we don't always need to, to reinvent the wheel that some new organization needs to come in and start doing it bigger and better than, 
than someone else. I, I think we have a lot of great organizations and resources and ministries and groups that that really do want to work together. If we can all kind of stay in our lane of of what we do well, but have that heart to really try to work work together, um, collaborate together, communicate together. And I think I think we're doing a good job of that. Um, I think that is something that's really evolved in the last few years to to really make a call. It's it's you know making a call to a various ministry that offers something you know, and collaborating with getting help from you know DHR on on, on a case or uh, talking with you know people in the mental health sector, talking with people in the addiction sector. You know, really trying to to work that together. But there needs to be kind of a kind of a streamlined process, um, you know, that that if, you know, and we use a big term, you know, here, I'm part of, I'm the vice president of what we call SEACH, which is the Southeast Alabama Coalition for the Homeless. We don't just deal with, with homeless. We try to really help with that near homeless population so people don't go yeah. into homeless. But, but our goal has always been, hey, here in the Wiregrass, we want to help end unwanted homelessness. There is a difference. Um, there is a difference between wanted homelessness. There's always going to be people that choose to sit there and say, dude, I just, I want to live homeless. It's, yeah. it's what I want to do. Don't love it. Don't always like it. Kind of get upset about things, but really I want to choose yeah, to lay, stay there. My, my job's to survive. There's other people that say, you know what? I don't want this. I, I want something different. We call that the, the, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the people that want to get out the unwanted homelessness. We, we, we want to help people get out of that. And, and we totally want to help people. Maybe they're living in that survival lifestyle. Maybe they got a roof over their head, but they're still living in that survival lifestyle. Want to help them take steps necessary that they get out of that survival. Um, because, because it's no fun just to survive day, day by day. And so, you know, there's, there, there, there is the process, you know, from, you know, you know, the, the rescue mission, you know, is, is a, is a safe place, is a good place for those that, that don't have housing, um, the rescue mission. Now, here's the deal. There always are rules and guidelines, you know, and if somebody doesn't want to follow rules and guidelines, you know, there's always going to be issues with, with that. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe the rescue mission is, is an option to start. I know when you go to the rescue mission, know their director well, Brad is a super guy, um, you know, that, that, hey, while they're there, they can get a job and start becoming sustainable and, and save their money during that time. Um, there, there are great, you know, places like like the Ark Dothan that is a great transitional living program for men and women. Women, man, we have seen success story after success story come coming out of of the transitional part that they they go and they have a season of just kind of breaking down and getting back to the root. And it feels good for someone to give you a chance. Give you a chance, and and then what happens is, you know, you end up getting placed into a job. The Ark does a tremendous job of making sure there's transportation to and from those jobs, and and. Uh, um, you know, there, there are those avenues, you know, the, the Harbor, we have a transitional program that we partner with, with the ARC. We actually, you know, help subsidize rent. Like literally the longer you stay in the program, the cheaper your rent gets. So you're saving. And then we work towards goals, uh, whether it's, you know, a lot of times people coming out in incarceration have fines they got to be paying. So literally, you know, we help pay down those fines, you know, as we subsidize their rent, we set goals. Usually it's fines. Uh, apartment or a car, you know, transportation. So we set these goals and, and, and figure out, you know, what's going to be the best goals and help apply that subsidy towards those long-term efforts. Always trying to get people to start looking six months, a year out. Um, and, and so there, there's some, some great, 
you know, streamlined efforts going on that we're all trying to to work together in. And there's there's just incredible organizations and groups and ministries that that help not only the immediate need, um, you know, but but help the longer term. You, you know, you think about people, you know, with man, I can't even afford my blood pressure medication. You know, you got things like, you know, the Samaritan Clinic at Love and Action that just does a, a phenomenal job. And and so really trying to collaborate, work, work together. Um, but it's you know, I, I still always think we're just kind of scratching the surface, you know, you know, right now, because, uh, you know, I would say on a given month at the Harbor, we, we probably, you know, see about 4,000 people, uh, in various ways, whether we're out on street ministry, whether they're coming to the facility, uh, whether we're helping our transitional program, whether we're helping with groceries or immediate needs, because I'm telling you, it's hard to survive if you can't eat today. Um, we see about 4,000 people a month, roughly about 8% of that is actually homeless. Yeah. And a lot of people always think, man, you just help the homeless. No, we, we really serve a lot of that underserved near homeless, low income poverty with our hope to get into various programs that exist to help them continue to progress. You're really just trying to prevent the homeless situation, Yeah, which is the same thing as trying to get them out of homelessness, out of homelessness. Um, and, and some people, you know, we'll say, we'll choose, yeah, I, I want to, to do that. I want to get in that program. I want to, to continue to put some distance between me and, and the street, put some yeah. distance between me and just surviving like I have for a while. Um, and others will say, no, I, I, I don't want that. Um, you know, for lots of reasons, maybe, maybe they're not ready for that. Maybe they're, there's an addiction they're still struggling with. Maybe, Maybe there's the shame. Maybe there's the hurt. Maybe there's just a desire to say, you know, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Um, whatever, it's free to free free to choose that. Um, but uh, you know, just trying to make those those strides, like I said, to really put that distance between the street and homelessness, put that distance between just surviving, or or even put that distance between, hey, I'm surviving and I'm okay right now, but God forbid somebody gets sick and can't work for a couple of weeks. You know, God forbid something happens in an accident. Or maybe you get quarantined with, with COVID, you get quarantined. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, man, it, it's gone in, in a second. So trying to be able to help people, you know, put distance between that too. I've always had a strange relationship with the homeless population. Growing up skateboarding, you find yourself in some of the stranger, less ideal places as a kid and you kind of have to adapt. Um, and you really get to know these people after a while, you know? Yeah. With skateboarding, you're always exploring anyway. So you might come across a patch of woods and decide, hey, let's go check that out. Yeah. And really, that's kind of always just been my mentality about things. And what's out there a lot of times are homeless people. You may find yourself in some weird situation where a dude's trying to sleep. And for me, I've always tried to be super mindful to anybody that's actual resident of where I'm trying to skateboard. But there's something to be said about just being in those physical locations and seeing everybody's living situation that really kind of enlightens you as far as what other people go through from day to day. Um, there's so much a lot more visible. That, yeah, there's so much that we miss because everything's not on the front line or not in not in the tabloids because it's not exciting or it's not um, it's not something that we should be super proud of necessarily. Um, but it's just, you just got to have those relationships and build them. Absolutely. Yeah. 
we're never really going to be able to help somebody else if we don't see some of ourselves in them. Um, again, going back to skateboarding is you're kind of out there on your own and nobody's really interested in being friends with you. And it gets, it can get real lonely out there to be honest with you. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And to be able to build those relationships with the homeless community that I was building back when I was skateboarding all the time, you really get to know a lot of interesting people. Absolutely. And I mean, when it comes down to it, isn't that what we were put here for? Like we, we are all in this together, right? I feel like we should be helping each other more. Yeah. We live in that time right now that if you're not, if you don't, it polarizes. If you don't agree with me, then you're wrong. If, 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 you know, and it's just, it's hard. And so, you know, you, you, it just can't be the, the argument you make because it's right now, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. You know, it's, it's, we just, nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. We're just trying to make it from day to day. And when it comes down to it, that's the same mentality as homeless people. They're out here trying to figure out how to get to where they want to go with the resources they have in hand. And a lot of it is survival and instinctual. I think we could learn a lot from them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, we always say, keep the main things, the main things. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, that, that lower income and homeless population just tries to focus on, on what their main things are. Yeah. You, you got to stay warm today. Yeah. You want to eat today. And, and, uh, you know, the, the, you know, people always, you know, you were mentioning the woods, um, and you know, it, we mentioned the term visible, um, Dothan doesn't have a, a large, what, what I call visible sure. home homeless. There's always about five or six characters floating around and you see them and you know, well, the, where, what parts of town they're in and eventually you figure out who they are. Yeah. And you already know that they're yeah. part of that, uh, yeah. population and you eventually get to know a lot of them yeah. around here. You know, you, you'll see. I think a little bit of the visibility you'll see um, is whether it's up on Montgomery Highway, um, you know, people coming into town, yeah. leaving town, uh, West Main Street, East Main Street. You know, as people are maybe passing through, you, you see some people on on the outskirts of town that, you know, they're carrying eight bags. And uh, I talked to a guy the other night. He was on a bike, had literally like 15 bags and trying to bike it. And, and, and you, you see that maybe people trying to pass through and so forth. Um, and then when you get to kind of the lower income area around downtown, um, you'll see a lot of people that, that are, as I described that process of that near homeless that are bouncing in and out and in and out. Um, you know, so, so you do have that, um, you know, you mentioned the woods, uh, part of the reason, you know, it's not as visible, um, is because there are some wooded, wooded area. Uh, a lot of the homeless people do like to be a little bit towards downtown because a lot of the available resources are, 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 are going to be more, more downtown. Um, but, but literally, you know, and, and it came out in the news, you know, recently, you know, that, that what, what Dothan people quote unquote thought was tent city, you know, every city of any substance of population has tent cities, um, in them. Um, you know, Dothan, no different, you know, have, have tent cities. Um, and, and, uh, kind of what was, what was, was known there, there was originally, you know, one they called tent city handful of years ago, close to downtown underneath a, uh, a bridge, the main piece, main street overpass. And, and no, it's, it's good. And, 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 and it's still there. Um, you know, and, and then what, what, 
happened out of that is actually out of that one, kind of three more um, began to evolve in, into t- t- tent cities. A lot of people hear about tent cities and they don't understand that at the end of the day, there's really safety in numbers, you know? Correct. And when you have all your resources in one place, it makes it easier to uh, yes. try to survive. And there's more sense of community. Well, you and I were talking about it. You know, sometimes, you know, hey, we live in neighborhoods. You know, sometimes people love to keep their garage door open. I said that, that we love to talk who's out on the street and talk to people. And sometimes people just like to shut their garage door. And, you know, sometimes people really like to live in a community. And other times they don't. The homeless are no different. Sometimes... Some of the homeless really love to be in community. Yeah. Others are like, man, just let me be in the woods by, by myself. And, and so uh, the crazy thing is, 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 you know, there are actually, um, and, and we know this because uh, for the census and different things, the city, we, we got together and helped to map out. And not only that, but for, for emergencies, mm-hmm. that there would be addresses in case there was ever emergencies, yeah. we helped to map out. There's 13 um what, what we would consider tented areas, camp areas, tent cities, whatever you want to call them, um, of, of homeless community places in the Dothan area. Um, and it's not all downtown. I mean, there's some out west, there's some out east, there's some south side of town, there's some, you know, all, all over. Um, uh, so people like to live in community. Uh, people like to, to find their own spot, their own niche. Some people want to be closer to downtown, so it's closer to, to resources. Some people don't. Um, Sometimes people literally do it because, man, I, I can get a job right right in that area. Um, and then there's lots of homeless that, that live in the woods by themselves. Um, they live in a tent by themselves. Um, there's lots of people that, that live in abandoned houses, abandoned buildings, you know, uh, under a bridge. Yeah, there's a couple of buildings downtown that have a... Uh some different characters living in them. I had opened a door one time to a building down there and um, there's a dude sleeping on a mattress. So you really never know what you'll run into. You know what I mean? Who knows where? Yeah. And there's like, it's not even insulated really. It's just a little bit better, you know, Yeah. Um, it's just better than what they had or at least more, more than what they had. And, and, and some people, some people are okay with the tents. Uh, Some, some people would, just rather, you know, if they can get any kind of wall or shelter, you know, there's, there's something in that. And so, you know, Dothan, you know, we, we have, you know, like I said, there was 13, uh, you know, I could talk about it, made the people were talking about it on the news, um, late September, uh, some of the, the tent cities, three of them that were right downtown by a car wash heading out East, uh, uh, main street. Um, those three, um, already in the spring, um, there was some no trespassing signs put put up, but the property owners were were not difficult at all. They were gracious to let them stay there, um, you know, and I applaud them for that. Um, but uh, uh, the property was going to be selling to to a new owner. The new owner was going to begin doing some improvements and and things on it. And so, out of out of love, um, two and a half months ago, late September, myself and some representatives from Seach, which is the homeless coalition, representatives of some, my good friend Ken from Love and Action. Um, you know, we, we went out and just said, hey, guys, giving you common courtesy, um, we can help you. But, you know, this, this property is going to be acquired by somebody else. Um, definitely don't want anybody getting needless trans, you know, uh, uh, trespassing fines or, or anything like that, tickets for that. So, hey. Or you don't even 
have any idea what's going on, you might get hurt. Cor- correct. Yeah. And so, so we, we gave them a plenty of time heads up. Um, I know Larry, one of our staff, who's always out on the streets, I mean, he had the Harbor buses out, had, was able to help, you know, move some people and, and, and stuff like that and got them to the different locations. Other people were like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'll find, I'll figure it out. Um, you know, and so, so I know this week or last week, you know, people saw, saw some trees getting cut down and some, some groundwork being done. And so a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, what happened to tent city? Well, first of all, that's not the only tent city. Um, and, and secondly, here's the deal. We, we try to stay up on this, you know, and, 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 and literally this isn't just the, the organizations. I mean, we, we have a mayor that, that cares about this stuff and, 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 you know, him and I would talk regularly about, you know, Hey, we we're, you know, they're going to want to make sure they're safe and, and, and okay. And, and, uh, you know, the mayor was good enough. He, he went out with a group of us to Austin, Texas to go study this, you know, last year about a, a group out there that's doing some awesome stuff for homeless. Um, and, and so, you know, help them get relocated. You know, a lot, a lot of people, you know, kind of thought of that as the only tent city. And a lot of people did because it was very convenient. Um, literally would, would drive by there and bring meals and stuff like that. And I think that's, that's wonderful hearts. Sometimes that can really help. Sometimes that can really hurt. Um, you know, there's a big saying when helping hurts, when it becomes enabling and, and so forth. So there's always more to knowing the situations. I always encourage people, love your hearts. Never want to downplay your hearts. But hey, to really help this population, get connected to one of the ministries or organizations that are really hurt, uh, helping them. I always invite everybody. Uh, the first Thursday of every month of the year, 12 o'clock at the Harbor, which is right downtown on Foster Street, 320 North Foster. Yeah, right across from Bob's. Um, and and uh, um, literally, we have a homeless coalition meeting. Anybody wants to get involved, come to those. See how you can get plugged in uh, just to make sure that, like I said, I really believe in that process, the streamlining to get people further um, down the road, separated from the streets rather than just helping always at, at need. But, uh, um, and, and a good thing happening. Like I said, you know, we have great transitional programs here in Dothan. Uh, sometimes people don't want the tran- to transition in, in a building. Uh, so the awesome things, what Siege has done, Habitat for Humanity, um, uh, huge shout out to them. They, they, uh, they donated a parcel of land um, to Siege uh, this, this past September um, to, to help us knowing that some of the, the, the homeless individuals in, 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 in the tent cities downtown were going to have to be relocated. They donated us a piece of property um, to be able to house homeless on. Um, but we developed Siege and in, in collaboration with some, some area associations and organizations, uh, we were able to establish what we're calling Transformation City, uh, which is a transitional homeless camp. The whole reason you're going to go onto that camp is that you truly want out of homelessness. Yeah. And so uh, it's an interview to get in. It's literally a drug test. Um, if, if you test positive for drugs or alcohol, because it's a no drug, no alcohol camp. Um, and the reason we do that, we're not telling people, man, you're so bad if you have a beer. Um, but what it is, is other people might be triggered if there's that substance around. Could trigger somebody else. Um, and literally, we want to get people surrounded with people that share the same desire of, of, of transition. Paddling the boat in the same Everybody's direction. Paddling the boat, same di- difference. It's hard when one person's paddling one direction and seven are paddling the other direction. And so, you know, have some guidelines. The end all is not, okay, you tested positive for something. And we can help you with that. We can get you into a program if you truly have addiction. 
we can help with that. Maybe we can help your eyes get on something to a bigger prize, but ha- have that getting established, which is, which is awesome. Um, and so that's going to be a true transitional homeless camp that everybody, like you said, I like that term. They're all paddling the boat the same direction. Yeah. Um, and then we can walk through the steps I talked about, getting IDs, helping with transportation to jobs. It's also good to have that community environment as well, because there's so many people that need encouragement. Big time. And a lot of times it's just easier to do it that way than to seem like you're better than somebody else. Yeah. And what happens a lot is everybody kind of says they have your back until you don't have their back for a moment and then you're enemies. And, and so really trying to get people to share the, the, the bigger desire. Now here's the deal. If, if you don't want to transition, you kind of just want to stay on your own and, and, and live in that life. Fine. You know, that that's fine. Um, what we're really trying to do with this camp is, is to really help help in that situation of those who want to tra- transition. As we said, we want to help end unwanted homelessness. And as I keep saying, we want to put farther distance between going back to that lifestyle. I've seen some cities around the U.S. do some kind of uh, tiny home living situations. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think that seems like a good idea. Is that something that maybe we should dig into further for our wiregrass area or is that something you guys have already looked at or um what do you think are the strengths of being able to do a complex such as that yeah i I think it's a wonderful resource you know for this area i think it's very doable that's actually what we went out to austin uh texas to look at was a really cool uh, uh tiny home property that they had developed they had initially developed a couple hundred I think they're up to about 400 tiny homes. Sometimes they use campers on it, but they created a, vill- a, a, a like a village, a community, a neighborhood. Um, um, now Austin, much larger city than us, um, and and a much bigger homeless population. Crazy enough, per capita, we have a bigger homeless population than Austin does. Um, but but the 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 model that you know we studied, and not based only out there, is we've studied a whole bunch of different models but do really believe a tiny home community could work in, in numerous ways. Um, you know, w- one big, big mis- misconception is, is, Hey, you were homeless. Uh, we're going to help you get a job, get you back on your feet, get yeah. sustainable. And all of a sudden you keep progressing and you go buy a house in the garden district someday. Yeah. Um, here's the deal. Uh, that, that doesn't happen. You know, a that's a long ladder. The other thing too is, is what, what we've learned is, you know, we, we like to share life with people we have in, in, in common. You, you and I sat and talked forever about skateboarding, yeah. BMX, mountain biking, because that's, we, we love that yeah. stuff. Right. And, and uh, so we, we like to share life with, with people who have that can talk that language. Um, when you've been in a survival lifestyle, a homeless lifestyle, doesn't matter if you get out of it or not the people you like to share life with are people who understand that about you. So what we've seen in a lot of homeless communities, the tiny home communities around the country is, is people really like to be in community with other people that are like them. So as much as you could probably go live in a neighborhood here in Dothan, the people that you're going to be in that neighborhood with, isn't going to really share what your life experiences were. Maybe you can still talk about Alabama or Auburn football, but, but the life experience, the family, there's a huge disconnect. And so that's why we've seen a lot of the tiny home communities do really well by making it its own community. Not that we're trying to, 
to, to take people away from, from neighborhoods. All the power to you if you truly have that goal and dream. A lot of people are always trying to keep up with the Joneses too, and that's almost yeah. uh, not feasible if your neighbor's making 300000 and you're only making 30. 30 20 yeah. And, 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 and so part of it, they just like to live in community. And, and, uh, and so I do think a tiny home community, we're doing a lot of research with that right now, trying to see where land spots you know, could be available, trying to work... You know, uh, again, mayor's very supportive of this, um, trying to find where it would be a good place to do it. Uh, it, it always has the cha-ching to it because this costs money. You know, this this is not some, you know, pe- people will always say, oh, man, I can build you a tiny house for $5,000. Um, it's it's more to that because not only do do you want to have a tiny home community, but but even the one in Austin that we looked at, man, they had offices right on staff. Uh, right there on on property, um, t- you know, for for resources, they had a clinic, you know, for mental health, for for things. They had a clinic, you know, r- r- right there. Um, they had resources uh, right there. Now, what was awesome about this tiny home community? People were paying rent, um, but their resources were right on site. Um, what was awesome too? One thing we'd really want to do is is some micro enterprises that literally could give opportunities to earn money. Um, by being right on site, um, is that gardening and, and produce? The harbor has a, has a super cool garden. It's called an aeroponics. It's air and oxygen, no soil at all. Um, literally within a square footage space of our tower gardens, or their tower gardens that we have, literally within a three hundred square foot space, um, food can go from seed to table in six weeks. Um, re- really, really cool process. So. Literally what we can grow in a year and 300 square foot is what people can grow in three acres, you know, in, in a year. Um, so do we do some micro enterprises with some innovative, you know, farming um, things? Uh, you know, do you do some, you know, innovative things with with some designing of, of you know, I know out in Austin that people are designing jewelry and trades and crafts. And, you know, so to be able to, to have some micro enterprises on, on site, because, again, that helps with the transportation struggle. You know, if, if people can't get places for consistency to work, that's hard to even put us in a community saying, hey, we're going to work at ABC Place. Um, but when, when you can't always, always get there. And so we're really diving into it. COVID, you know, 2020, we can blame, blame everything on COVID. But COVID has, has put a lot of talks uh, of that a little bit slower paced simply because all of us had to ramp up in a lot of other areas of helping people in COVID, you know, when, when people were struggling with jobs and, and stuff, but it would be huge for Dothan. And, and it's not a giant undertaking. Um, you know, it's, you know, people always ask me, Hey, what's the, the homeless population post hurricane Michael of 2018, we were hovering about that 600 mark for, for homelessness. Um, right now, 2020, we're hovering probably 450. So not, not a big, the bigger concern is I always talk about is that near homeless number, but so not a big number of, of homeless. Um, we've done a good job of getting people out of homelessness. Um, done, a, you know, some people have just chosen to move on from here and go find, go find someplace else, but a tiny home concept would be tremendous. Um, there's just a lot more than finding a, a, a piece of property and putting some tiny homes on it needs to be staffed. There needs to be ample resources to help people, mental health, help people, physical health, help people um, reacclimating to sustainable life. 
Um, and, and there's a lot of dynamics, you know, with that. I know, you know, out in Austin, you know, community first, I mean, they employ a lot of people. Um, and they also have a lot of volunteers that literally, uh, chose kind of as a mission in their life to live on site, uh, to be what they call community neighbors, which are advocates and can help people and, and, and so forth. So looking into that a lot, um, uh, if you want to make a check payable today, um, that would be awesome to cover all of that. But, uh, you know, just, just, just the logistics, but that would help a lot. Um, is that the end all project? Um, no, because it's, it's a never ending. Uh, again, we can handle a homeless side, uh, side of it and literally help end those who are in unwanted homelessness. You know, we make hundred, 200 tiny homes. You end unwanted homelessness. Yeah. You really do. But that doesn't help with literally the thousands. You and I were talking about it. There's a, there's a pretty large middle-class affluent population demographic of Dothan, um, very small middle-class here, here, here in Dothan and a very large low income, um, you know, to poverty. Um, we, we still have a lot of those people live in that near homeless to couch, to couch, to house, to tent, to shed, to garage, to whatever, that there's still a lot to be done with that. Um, and, and, uh, which I would say is the larger concern. A lot of, uh, people just really need structure in their life too. Like for me, yeah. when I first started doing stuff with the local on a full-time basis, um, I was kind of known for just waking up, trying to figure out what project I want to tinker with next. And, um, eventually it turned into more of a lifestyle than it was actually intended to be. I saw this freedom as a great thing. But um, it it was it was slowly tanking my uh, goals. It wasn't really allowing me to have time to look into the future or even just look at what I've done and how to better that. And I think with that structure, you really, really gotta hmm, you gotta yeah. dial in. Um, for the first year or so, I was working hard, but I wasn't working hard until after lunch. Yeah. And you could kind of see that in a lot of my work, but um, <laughs> it's just, you know, I turned into my persona a little bit. And so that was just adjusting from what the former had been. Yeah. And that was just trying to get yeah. my feet under me, yeah. not trying not to have somebody tell me what to do all the time. Well, and, and we need, every human being needs a purpose, right? Absolutely. You need a purpose. And, and there's an acclimation time uh, to, to not only not only learning what your purpose is, but, but learning how to maneuver towards your, for your purpose. Sure. Um, and, and, uh, I, I do think, um, there, there needs to be, um, structure in people's lives. Cause, cause I, I know it, it, if I don't have structure, man, it's just, it's just easy to sit around and do nothing. It's easy right? to get into stuff you don't need. Yeah. To. And, and, uh, I'll, I'll never forget this was probably a couple of years ago, but had a, had a great guy in, in my office and actually was putting a kind of a, had about 14, 15 steps sure. um, uh, on a case plan uh, to help him navigate towards that purpose, um, towards purpose, towards plans. You know, he had a whole bunch of steps. He was in a homeless lifestyle and steps of ID and steps of, you know, all these, we put all these steps together. But the number one thing I, I listed on there, first step, get out of my office. Yeah. Um, and And so we talked for a long time and loved and we prayed for a while and and uh i said okay he just sat there i 
I said, what are you doing? He said, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I said, what do you mean? We got a whole step-by-step process there. I, I don't know how to do it. I said, what's your first step say? He goes, I got to get out of my office. And he, I said, dude, so get out of my office. And, and he's like, I, I don't know how to do this. This is, this is safe here. I feel good here. Superintendent. And so to reacclimate, even to get out of the office yeah. to start that was incredibly hard. And your point exactly about it took time to find that self-drive. It took, because as humans, we all need acceptance. Mm-hmm. We all need to be loved. And when you feel like you're, you're an outcast, you're a stereotype, you're not loved, you're not accepted, when you have to hide. You can get to a uh, lot of dark places. Dark, dark places. And so, so there needs to be structure. But sometimes even in that structure, whether it's in a tiny home community, hopefully we can build, whether it's in these transitional programs we have, whether it's in a transitional camping program we have, whether it's in all the different programs and ministries that we do, there has to be an acclimation time to even find how the order of those steps can take place, the self-drive, the purpose. You know, for us, we're unashamedly a a Christ-based, a Christian-based ministry. So that obviously is always one of our purposes, right, for people? Um, A giant purpose. Um, But we know that goes hand in hand with with helping find your identity in, in moving forward. But sometimes, literally, and what broke my heart is sometimes we can't even get out of a chair, out of the door of an office to begin that because... It's it's hard to do it. Yeah, I know for myself, and this kind of tends to be the theme of every podcast that I've done for the last year. Maybe it's COVID, or maybe it's me. But I go down such dark paths just by default. Like I deal with such ridiculous depression at times that sometimes I just want to burn everything and see just what happens. You know? Yeah. And. Without that kind of uh, structure, it's hard. It's just hard to keep going. Um, With people in your life and encouragers and whatnot, you have people kind of guiding you and depending on you, and you start putting stock in those people, and they put stock back in you. So you can keep living the life that you really, really ideally want to live, but you don't have to worry about backsliding or whatever. People also need to be able to uh, navigate their own emotions and self-regulate a lot better. Um, When you start using alcohol as a crutch, like I did for so many years, you kind of just mute all those feelings instead of processing them, which can just exacerbate the situation later. Um, It's real hard to, uh, it's just real hard to be a drug addict or an alcoholic if you're trying to get in a better place uh a drugs are super expensive and b like without a clear head to see where you're going you really are just going out there blind like i don't i don't beg for unstructuredness but obviously it's good to have a vacation from it from time to time but it's just kind of it's just a big big piece of that puzzle that a lot of people don't consider um you don't have that safety in number situation when it's just you out on the streets and there's just a lot of bad, um, you know, it's just tough. Um, and it's tough not having that leg up of that built in ambition or believing in yourself just by default. Um, and if that goes unchecked, there's really no telling what kind of terrible things that you can do to yourself and ultimately your whole life. 
You know, and you, you said the mental health, you know, that that's that giant piece of, like I said earlier in the podcast, you know, everybody's had some bouts of, of depression or, or whatever. Um, what happens, man? You, you can't think near as clear. Sure. You're not near as inner motivated, that true grit. No, you're talking to yourself out of things. You're telling yourself you're not good enough, man. You, you're already struggling. Yeah. Um, if you self or self medicate at all, um, you know, I, I know guys that, that really struggle with that shame and they're trying to kick the self medicating. Right. Sure. And literally they're, they're finding a different identity in their life. But literally what happens is the physicality of the, of the yeah, self medicated. Yeah. And, and what happens is I know a guy that'll, that'll go three, four days without, without his choice of what he does, but then he starts getting shaky withdrawal. And he's like, I, I can't do this. Oh yeah. And so that's, that's the withdrawal then. And so there's just a lot that, 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 the, the mental health is, is just a, a giant piece. Cause it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how successful you are, man. If you have bouts of, of anything, you just want to lay on the couch and, and, and do nothing oh, for sure. And just have everybody leave around you. Um, and, and then, you know, it just, it just makes that self-motivation even, even tougher. You know, what we try to do, I, I try to give the illustration a lot. You know, when you're in a survival, when you're in a survival, maybe mental health is struggling, perhaps, uh, um, you know, you're self-medicating or whatever. A lot of times we just, we kind of literally put our, our viewpoint, our, our eyes, we're looking at our own feet. Yeah, sure. We're watching our own steps. That's kind of what's mattering yeah. in life of how, can I put one foot in front of the other in survival and get to where I want to be? Literally, when you're looking at your own feet, you have no peripheral vision. For sure. You don't see anything else going on. Yeah. You can't see if there's anybody out there supporting you. You can't see if anybody's, all you're thinking are the voices of telling how bad you are. Um, so, you know, what we do, um, try to get people's viewpoints to two things. One you know, as I said, uh, unashamedly a Christ-based ministry, uh, scripture says to keep our, keep our eyes on Christ. Um, and so that's a bigger perspective, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, so we teach people that and how to do that by, by, by growing in his word and, and, and different and being involved in a faith family and where there's supportive people, but we keep our eyes focused on, on Christ. Um, what ends up happening is when you're looking up, rather than looking down, yeah. literally you have the ability then for a larger purpose and you also start seeing the other people around you, people that do care about you, do want to pour yes. into you. It's just more of an exercise in appreciation. Yeah, and then what we also tell people is, man, to get out of that survival lifestyle, a huge key when our eyes are now looking up and we can see the peripheral vision of people around us, we can also see who we can serve and help. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest ways to pull yourself out of a funk, out of a depression, out of a hurt, out of whatever, is to serve someone else. Um, and so we, all of our programs are based on, on serving. Even the theme for the Harbor for 2020 was serving. Um, really challenging and helping people transform into lives that they're used to kind of being served um, to really help them start giving back and serving others. And I'll tell you, it, it, has, it has changed uh, across, across the board. Um, and, and so really trying to help people with that purpose we're talking about to change their viewpoint. You know, what, what's in, interesting right now, um, as we sit, uh, December, 20, 2020, um, the Harbor does something on, on every Saturday mornings, we call it community day. And, uh, you, you can come on community day for, 
groceries and uh, uh, hot breakfast and hygiene items and clothing items, washing laundry, taking a shower, you know, those types of things. It's just a day that we sit there and say, hey, if there's somebody going through what we say a life storm, uh, here we are for an immediate to, to help you out. And, and, uh, and we also spend a lot of time on those mornings really connecting with people because I do believe at the end all, we all need to be loved. For sure. Need to be loved. Everybody needs to be loved for encouragement and also because you never know whose role model you are. Yeah. So here, here's the crazy thing about that, that community day. Um, across the board right now, um, those people that are engaged, and I'm just talking harbor specific, not talking every other ministry organization out there, but harbor specific, those who are engaged with us in a spiritual component of growth, which again, was that illustration I was talking about, getting your eyes on something bigger, getting your eyes on serving others, and, and that helps speed up your steps, get you to a destination, that inner drive begins to change. Those who are spiritually engaged with us, maybe through worship services, through classes that we offer, through groups that we offer, all those things, 100% of the, across the board, um, the people that are coming right now for that community day are not spiritually engaged with us. The people that are spiritually engaged with us no longer need our community day. Yeah. However, their life has become a little different stewarded. What happens is their life has changed and has said, Cody, I, I, I don't need it anymore. Yeah. Still want to be engaged with you spiritually, sure. but literally my life has changed from survival that I have a little distance between survival now. It's amazing what, what's happened. And so I always say, when you get your perspective on something bigger, for us, it's that Christ. But whatever it is, you know, you get a different perspective, it, it, it changes it. And so, yeah, we, we've seen that demographic through COVID, literally 100%. Those who are coming to receive assistance are not spiritually engaged. Those who now are spiritually engaged literally no longer need to come for that. Sure. They have a guide in their hand on how to live. How to live. Yeah. That's the ticket, man. So, that, that's super awesome. Got some... You know, I, I think as a whole, I think we live in a great city. I think a caring city, um, trying to really get some streamlined main, you know, just some processes started. So wherever people are at, if they do want a transition, whether it's transition out of homelessness, transition out of lower income, transition out of survival, transition spiritually, whatever it is that we have things streamlined and can really network and resource and collaborate with a lot of the great organizations and ministries. Um, and, and our heart is to always get more people from the community involved in that, because I don't know about you, but, um, do you have some people in your life, uh, along the way that helped you with those stepping stones oh, to the next step? Oh, for sure. Anybody along the way that has ever encouraged me or picked me up and gave me a hand and like said, you can do it. Like those people in my life are ir just irreplaceable and I will absolutely be hyper, hyper loyal to them until I die. Yeah. Plus you have the advantage of safety and numbers. Absolutely. And not only that, like nobody else really knows that lifestyle or what you're Correct. going through. Yeah. You know, how many times do people say, oh man, I know what you're going through. No, you don't because you're not me. Yeah, for sure. Here's the deal. We might've gone through the same thing but we still experienced it from our own perspectives. So nobody really knows. Um, you know, what, what we try to do um, is, is really try to, you know, I, I know my own life, like, man, I had parents that helped me take steps. And man, I had some awesome coaches that, that really helped me take some steps. Um, 
man, help had an awesome, you know, college basketball coach to help me take some steps and have had some people along my way to help keep taking steps. Um, what's happened in that catastrophic loss of family? Yeah, they're just not there. The people to help them take steps yeah. ha- are not there. And so what we're trying to do is get more and more people of this community, uh, church groups and business groups and school groups and uh, whatever groups uh, to really come down um, and, and help us in various ways of establishing relationship and networking. You know, we have one, one program, one ministry that we literally set you up for a year with a spiritual and earthly mentor. Uh, we call it a discipleship partner, but, but it helps you in your spiritual walk, um, helps you in your earthly decisions. Um, you know, because they're, they're, man, when you're flying solo and you have no support, it's hard. And a lot of times the support you get are your support for, for a minute until you yeah. aren't their support anymore. And so trying to find that support. So we always want people to get involved. And so just trying to find ways that, that, you know, we can continue to make difference. Now I'll tell you, have we made a difference in Dothan? Absolutely. Sure. I, I, I think absolutely. Um, I think we've made a difference twofold where, where lives, we're seeing changes in lives, where we're, we have incredible testimonies. But I also think we're making a difference where, where more people are becoming aware of how to get involved. For sure. That's one of the main reasons we do this. Like between the paper, we started that just because yeah. quality of life for everybody um, was our main focus. And now that we only print once a month, so it's kind of restrictive. So this platform gives our storytellers and the people whose stories need to be told a little bit more time than just 300 words on a page. Not only that, but it's instantly shareable and you can shoot it all over the place without having to have a tangible copy of anything in your hand. That's what, you know, talking with you, I really appreciated this because, you know, whether oh, it's sure. like you said, 300 words in a, in a, in a column or, or a, a, a one minute segment on TV that yeah. gets, I mean, it, the story doesn't really get out there. No. And you got to be able to tell those stories to be an effective news person. I would think anyway, that's how I roll. (laughs) Not only that, but I've never really been interested in the drama or the polarizing of at the end of the day, like anybody that's into this is my audience. And I don't really want to, I'm not trying to get into mischief. Uh, You know, I mean, I'll get into mischief, but only in my personal life, (laughs) but at, like at the end of the day, like we're all in this together and my vibe is always let's do community stuff yeah. first and hopefully everything else shakes out and makes sense and all ships rise with the tide. Um, but without without yeah. stuff like this going on, there's so many avenues for information to get slipped through the cracks or just it's it's very easy to become unaware of things when you're not looking for it and I want to be the one that looks for it for everybody. Does that make any, any kind of bit of sense? I've also done so much firsthand sketchy living that I want to be able to recognize at risk people and help them not go down the same path I did. I feel like that's a responsibility of anybody in the community. Yeah. Well, and you know, you said you can empathize and and here's the deal. Empathy is, is just a choice. Um, literally, I, maybe I can't understand where everybody's at. Sure. But I can try to have empathy. Oh, absolutely. I try to listen. 
I can truly try to like be engaged listening. Yeah. And I can truly try to have empathy of sitting there saying, man, I see you're hurting. Don't completely understand what you're going through. Man, you're hurting. I do understand hurt. You recognize it. And also can have empathy to say, here's a deal. Not just going to talk about it, but here's some steps. Here, here's what we can do. And here's who I can resource you to. And here's, here's what we can do. Um, and hopefully something takes root in there. So empathy is just a choice. Absolutely. I actually have a friendship with a, a really good friendship with a pastor in town. Um, our theology is not necessarily a thousand percent identical necessarily, you know, but at the end of the day, like our core beliefs and our, our vision for the future and yada, yada, yada. Most of that is exactly the same. Um, what you run into is, and what I joke around about all the time is you can tell somebody you're praying for them and they sure might get some warm fuzzies and some encouragement from that. But I can pray from an easy chair inside my very cozy house. Um, praying for somebody is great. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but my friend John is always saying like, I'm 1000% going to pray for you. But what else can we do in the physical world? Yeah, I would say, you know, so many times, you know, you kind of let someone know what you're feeling and then they do the famous, okay, I'll be praying for you. And I think it's awesome. Uh, You know, thankful for prayers. Please always pray for one another. Scripture tells us to pray without stopping, you know, keep doing it. But you're exactly right. It's like, here's the deal. At the end of the day, man, thank you for your prayers. That that is huge. But dude, if I don't know how to fix my my roof leak and you kind of do, like, help me walk through this because I'm telling you, you are the answered prayer. Oh, for sure. Like, you want to see a prayer answered? Be the person to help answer the prayer. Absolutely. Um, now, at the end of the day, maybe we don't all have a million bucks that we can go give, give away. Absolutely it's never, not. It's not always what it's about. But literally, I tell people, here's the deal. Thank you for praying for me, but also find an opportunity that you are going to be the one that is the answered prayer. For sure. Absolutely. That's like uh, my old adage about Christmas presents. Like, I don't want to just give people gift cards, you know, like especially people that I'm friends with that I'm close with. Like, it just seems impersonal and it's a cool solution for a, a very easy, solvable problem. But it's so impersonal that I am almost offended if you get me a bunch of gift cards around the holidays, you know, <laughs> not that I don't appreciate it, but it's just you remove that personal touch and it's just weird for me. You know, it's like if we've known each other this long and you know that I'm into star Wars or comic books or sleeping outside and camping and whatever, don't give me a gift card to Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah. I don't necessarily need that. Um, and I feel like prayer sometimes can be in the same world. Yeah, as that. You, you can talk across the board to a lot of the organizations and ministries we partner with and literally story after story from people are, man, thank you for what you gave me. Oh yeah. But literally more importantly, thank you for being there with me. For sure. Um, and, and it is because at the end of the day, like if I was real down about something, uh, does a meal sound better or literally just getting to talk with someone for a half hour? It's talking always going to be talking with someone for half all hour. the time. And, and, and so, uh, you know, yeah, definitely being that, you put that faith into action, definitely doing it. You know, what, what's it saying in, in, in James faith without works is dead. Yeah. Right. So, so, uh, you know, be it, be a doer and, and, uh, you know, that's how, that's how people like you know, keep going back to man. We, we gotta have people that are, 
they're life preservers in our in our life that literally we know they're helping to guide us and we got to have that in our life for sure man and i think what you guys are doing with the harbor um everybody downtown you know like love and action ministries i think is right around the corner from you guys yeah yeah and what you guys are doing is so important for our area not only because being homeless is a terrible way to live but you're bringing awareness about to a problem that is not seen on a daily basis and you guys should absolutely be commended for that at the end of the day no i appreciate that you know you think back 2020 you know we've we've probably done you know 250,000 hot meals whoa uh this year um you know probably 200,000 pounds of non-perish foods you know we don't do Near as much as like a food bank does of, of food. But yeah. We, be, we try to do that, but we've done tough to beat. literally thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of things for, you know, assistance financially for things or subsidized living for our transitional residents, uh, do all kinds of stuff for Christmas for kids. And, you know, there's, there's just a lot of the, the, you know, how many thousands of clothing items and hygiene items and, and stuff. And we can't do that. Like people always ask like, now, how do you guys funded? Uh, we are 100% funded by the great people of this area. Yeah. Um, we don't receive government grants. We don't, we don't, it, it, we are hundred percent funded by, by the great people of, of this area. Um, and so, yeah, we, we do a lot. Ultimately, again, we, we want to help people navigate spiritually, which then gives you a different purpose, which pulls up your life, which we have seen that the results across the board. Uh, with, without a doubt. And, you know, and sometimes people will say, man, you know, you're right downtown and that's why all these, these people are walking around down there. Um, here, here's the truth of the matter. Um, you could, you could move the Harbor, um, you know, across the Florida line. Yeah, but it'll still end up downtown. But here's the deal. We live in a city that has a whole lot of poverty without a public transportation system. Um, and a whole lot of unemployment right in that area. I know the unemployment rates are, are great in Alabama. We've recovered good from COVID. I know unemployment rates are great in Dothan. Um, however, you know, let's check some unemployment rates right downtown. Great's never perfect. Great's never perfect. Um, but, you know, guess what? When, when the population is near downtown... There's always going to be people walking around. Yeah. There's always going to be people walking along Main Street because that's how they get places. That's right. Um, when we live in a city that's disproportionately has a lot of poverty, there's going to be people struggling. And so guess what? You're going to see them. So it doesn't matter if you send us 100 miles away. Sure. Guess what? People are still going to be downtown Dothan. Oh, yeah. Um, and so our heart being downtown Dothan is it is where the people are at. For sure. That we can help get to by our buses or people can walk to us. Um, again, our end goal is to never have someone stay right where they're at. Yeah. We want to help every single, you know, we believe in the hand up, not the handout. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of people say, man, you're just enabling people. Well, man, there's been a lot of times in my life I've been enabled sure. in, in things because I needed that to survive. But yeah. here's the deal. I want to give a hand up, not not a handout. Yeah, for sure. And and that's our goal. That's how you make a lifelong impact with people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and that's kind of exactly yeah. what you need to do. How would um, anybody get involved with the harbor if they're not involved already? Yeah, there, there's uh, um, really, really the sky's a limit. I, I'm not a, um, 
I might be an executive director, but I'm not a, not a micromanager. Like this is exactly how it has to happen because man, we are, we are Bob Ross with a, with a canvas. And, and when he, when he would, Oh, don't worry. If we mess up here, we're going to make that into a little tree. Well, you know? happy little trees. And, and, you know, happy little tree. And, and so our, our heart is we, we value, we want to be volunteer driven. Um, and, and so we value people getting involved. So many of our great ideas, you know, we, we go out to some bus stops where kids get off of, off of the bus after school. Um, and, and we have a volunteer team who literally this ministry was created by volunteers that had this heart. And so they go out, they bring groceries, they bring some snacks for the kids and make sure the families have, have some groceries, do a Bible lesson with them, love on them. Um, and, and it, those kids, you know, those kids maybe never, ever come to the Harbor, right? Sure. But it's an extension of that. And so my point of that is a lot of great ideas. Most of them have been created by a lot of volunteers that just have a heart to do it. Yeah. So ways to get involved, you know, we have volunteers that, that volunteer multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. We have volunteers that volunteer once a week, once a month, once a corner, once a year, um, tons of, tons of ways to get involved. Um, I always tell people, Hey, literally call, call the Harbor. Um, ask for Cody, say, Hey, what, what can we do? You know, maybe somebody really loves going out on the streets, like a mini mission trip and we're handing out maybe fresh produce and loving on people and caring for people out for on, sure. yeah, on water, whatever, uh, you know, right out on the streets, extended the, the, the neighborhood. Uh, other people are like, man, I love to do meals, man. I'd love to fix meals and, and help out doing that. Other people are like, man, I'd love to, to do, you know, work with children, you know, if we're going to work with children. Yeah. We do background checks. You know, we're, we're going to do all that because we, we care about, you know, working with kids. Yeah. Safety first. Um, some people say, man, I, I love to, to, to help out in a worship service. I mean, I, my church team has a, has a worship team. We'd love to do something. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, let's, let's talk about that. Uh, people just need a Richmond, you know, point. and Richmond and entertainment go a long way. Yeah. And, and so, you know, uh, some people are saying, Hey, you know, I really want to donate, you know, maybe some, some provision, some clothing. I have, you know, clothing. I want to drop off, man. We'll take clothing and non-perishable foods and anybody who travels all those little sample sizes from the, from the motels, bring those on, on down to us. Um, some people say, I would really love, you know, I would love to be in the background. I'd love to help sort all that stuff. Um, uh, literally the Harbor, um, if we truly operate at a, what I call a normal weekly function of all the things that we do um, from mentoring people to helping in transitional living to worship services, to feeding people, to helping kids, to everything we do, casework that we do, um, uh, we need 168 volunteers averaging two hours a week. Good Lord. To make it happen. That's a lot. Um, literally, we're a church that reaches 4,000 people a, a week or a month with four staff. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's awesome. So, so we need uh, the volunteers. And so I always tell people, you know, we're not the type of place that just says, hey, we're going to give you a little form to fill out and, and, and here's where you can volunteer. Literally, I want to get to know you and hear your heart. Like, like I said, most of the good ideas we've ever had. Um, come from other people. And, and so, so I always tell people, call the, call the Harbor, uh, check us out on Facebook, um, check out our websites. Um, but everything is fluid. Nothing is, is static at all. And so just, just would love to get you involved. And if, you know, we talk a lot about homeless in this, if, if you really have a heart for the homeless, literally the next Thursday, first Thursday of every, every, every month, First Thursday of every month at 12 o'clock at the Harbor, we have our, our homeless coalition meeting. Come to that. Would love for, you know, if, if your heart is really specific, 
long-term solutions for helping the homeless, uh, come to that. Come, come, and, come and hang out with that. Or, you know, hey, the harbor's not the end all. Um, there's a lot of other great ministries and organizations in the city. Get involved with one of them. Um, we, we have a great opportunity here in Dothan to really make a difference um, for, for the future. Um, and as much as there's great planning things on from downtown Dothan to arts initiatives to, to master planning of, of parks and ballparks and stuff, guess what? I think for a master plan, we have to have a game plan for uh, the lower socioeconomic in, in our community uh, because that's going to change our community for the generation ahead. So, so if you want to get involved in, in making a difference for the next generation, uh, get involved. That's it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming in. Justin, thanks for having me. This is awesome. And Sure. And uh, just hope a little something different content maybe. Yeah, yeah dude. Uh, we always try to keep it fancy up here, you know. Well, next time we can talk about skate park and that a whole lot more. Oh, sure. <laughs> that sounds good. I could spend three hours talking about that. I like that for sure. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. This is great. Absolutely, man. No worries. You know, it gets said a lot around the area that our people in this city are our greatest asset and resource. Like whether it's chamber events or the mayor speaking about it or whatever. It's always about our people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think when everybody comes together yeah. for a common goal, you know, we can really move mountains Correct. and yeah. it spreads out that responsibility yeah. and it allows the city to get more involved and create more community vibes. Make Dothan. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one more situation that, you know, I do know this, the people of Dothan have already helped us make great strides the more people we get, the more strides it is. That's exactly yeah. it, man. Hopefully we can get some more people involved down there. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for coming in, dude. Thanks, Justin. If you'd like to be a guest on the Wiregrass Local podcast, give us a shout at wiregrasslocal at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Wiregrass Local or hit us up on Friendster, MySpace, or LiveJournal. That's all fake, but you know what I mean. <laughs>